Good morning. It's exciting, right? It's a great time of the year. We get to be together in Thanksgiving to God this weekend. We get to welcome new members into the congregation, and it truly is an exciting time in our lives. If we haven't had a chance to meet before, my name is Justin. I serve on our ministry team here at Mount Hope on the preaching and teaching team, and it's wonderful to see you this morning together as we worship. And if you're worshiping with us at home today, very special welcome to you. It is a special time of the year. For me and my wife personally, it's a very, very special day. Uh, Alina and I, today we celebrate our 12th wedding anniversary. And so for us, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I don't think it's an exaggeration when I say it's been the 12 most amazing years of Alina's life. And so it's, now you see what she has to put up with every day. But there's something about marriage, isn't there? Something about marriage for me personally that has helped me gain a new perspective that I never had before. And here's the perspective I'm talking about. There are things in my life that I thought I did well, and then I got married and I realized maybe I didn't do them as well as I thought I did them. Right? I used to think of myself as a selfless, considerate, sacrificial person, and then I got married and realized there's a long way to go in that regard. I used to think of myself as a great listener, And I got married and realized there's more to gain and more to grow in that area. There's another area as well that I think if all of us are not aware, we often can think of ourselves more highly than we ought, and that is the area of thankfulness. I think if you ask most of us, we would say, I am a grateful person. I'm a thankful person. And this morning as we open up God's word, I hope this is the phrase and this is the question that we can ask of ourselves. Are we thankful? If so, how do you know that you're thankful? If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to be in the gospel of Luke today. The gospel of Luke chapter 17. And as you turn there, or if you'd like to use the Bibles in front of you, if you're here live this morning and you want to turn to page 876, you'll find Luke chapter 17. For those of you at home, if you'd like to take a minute to go find those verses, please do so. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19 is where we will be this morning. We read there this important moment in the life of Jesus as well as 10 people that he encountered that day. We read like this in verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back. Praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. This passage is this incredible story of Jesus encountering 10 lepers on the side of the road who shout out to him in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have 
pity on us. And Jesus stops what he's doing and he tells them to go show themselves to the priest, meaning go and declare yourselves healed to the priest and go on with your lives. And as the ten are walking toward the priest, they realize, look, my body is fixing itself. It's repairing. Something amazing is happening. And they stop in the midst of their celebration. And one of them, instead of going on to the priest, turns around, goes back to Jesus, falls down in front of Jesus, and worships him, thanks him for what he did. Two times in this passage, we see the phrase, a loud voice. A loud voice. Let me give you the first one. It's in verse 13. The lepers stood at a distance and called in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. All of us use our voice. We exert our force to communicate different things. And if we think about it, we use our voices to complain. We use our voices in anger. We use our voices when we're stressed or we're anxious about something. When we worry about something, we will let the world know, I am worried, I'm stressed about this. We exert our voice. We exert our force in loud voices when bad things are happening. Even when we want to give our opinion about something, we will be loud about those things. In this passage of scripture, the first time we see the phrase, in a loud voice... It's when 10 lepers were standing on the side of the road yelling, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Help us in this time of need. I think if we want to truly understand what's going on in this passage, we have to put ourselves in the place of those 10 men as they stand by the side of the road. When I was young, my parents used to take us to India every couple of years to go see my grandparents. And we would go to this small village in southern India and live there for weeks at a time. And there's a custom, a habit that happens there. That if you are poor or destitute or in need of help, you go door to door and knock on people's doors and ask for help. And because of the nature of the, the culture there, people will typically give you something when you come to the door and ask for help. So every morning, I would hear the, door knock, the, the knock on the door, and I would run to see my grandfather answer the door as a person who was in desperate need would come to the door and say, can you spare me some change, or can you provide me breakfast for today, or can you give me an article of clothing? And I would watch my grandfather deal with each one of them and hand them something, and they would go on their way. One morning, rather than knock on the door, there was a loud voice about 15 or 20 yards or feet away from the house and I came running to the door, opened the door, ready to see the next person coming to ask for help. Opened the door, and to my shock, there was a man there holding a stick and standing in front of us. His toes were eroded and gone for the most part. Most of his fingers were not there anymore. Parts of his face were completely caved in or missing. It was the first time I'd ever seen a leper in my life. And in that moment, I recognize there's something different about this guy than everyone else. He can't come to the door and knock. He has to stand at a distance because he has a terribly contagious disease that can absolutely riddle, riddle the body with sores and open wounds and can start to erode the fingers and the toes and the features of the face to the point where they no longer even exist. He has a horrendous condition. 
Leprosy not only affects the physical body, we have to understand it affects the entire psychology and spirit of a person. Every other beggar could potentially go back to their family or to their home, but this specific beggar would have to stay on his own away from people, shouting out in a loud voice that I am a leper and I'm coming into your town or I am a leper and I'm coming near your house. Every single day in a loud voice, a leper would have to declare the worst thing about him. It was not a situation any of us would ever want. In Jesus' time, it was a death sentence. It meant that you were isolated from society. You were an outcast among outcasts. You were not allowed to re-enter society until a priest gave you a written, a written acknowledgement that you could re-enter. It was the worst of all terrible situations to be a leper at that time. Ten of them stand together because they can't stand with anyone else. And they scream in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy, have pity upon us. The famous Christian author, Beth Moore, she writes about this experience once in her life in one of her books. She says like this, There was once an opportunity for me to go and minister in a leper colony, to go and serve these people who I longed to serve. And she says she went with so much excitement to go and serve the lepers, she got to the leper colony, got up to the gate, the door of the colony, and she had to stop and turn around. She says, I tried it again. I went to the door, went to the gate, and I stopped, and I turned around. She says, the smell of rotting human flesh was everywhere, and I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't keep my lunch inside of me any longer, so I had to walk away from that moment. This was the condition of a leper in Jesus' time. So when that group of lepers stands up and screams in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, you can understand and you can say they have every right to shout in the loudest voice that they need help. That's okay. We understand that. But there's a second time in this passage of Scripture that we see the phrase, a loud voice. And we find it in verse 15. One of them, the Samaritan leper who came back to Jesus to thank him, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. This is the second time that the phrase, a loud voice, is used in this passage. And it was for this leper to come and give thanks to Jesus. He had a loud voice when he needed help, but he has a loud voice when he's coming to give thanks to Jesus as well. This morning, the question I have for you, the question I've had to ask myself this week as well, have our cries for help grown louder than our shouts of praise? Has the cry for mercy, the cry for help in your life, grown louder than the shouts of praise in your life. Please don't misunderstand me. Crying out to God for help is an incredibly important part of the Christian life. But have our cries for help grown louder than our shouts of praise? Because gratitude is a part of the process that God has for all of us. For the leper, it was part of the process. For you and me going through sickness or trouble or relationship issues or family problems or anxiety and stress, for each of us, gratitude is part of the process. 
But the truth is we can often miss this part of the process. We can often forget this critical element of our relationship and our walk with God day by day. What the one man experienced was very different from the other nine. Don't get me wrong, all ten, the Bible tells us, were cleansed, all ten were healed, but only one had a radically different experience in his life, and the Bible is clear on that. Sometimes we can miss it in English, so let me show it to you carefully so you can see the original text and context of what's written. In verse 15, we read like this. One of them, when he saw he was healed... This is the first time we see a reference to what happens to the men. He was healed. This is a medical term. In the Greek, the word is hayatha. This is a medical term. It's about the mending or repairing. Picture a bone that's broken coming back together again. That's what this word healed would be. His physical body was mended is what that means. In verse 17, it says like this, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Cleansed is different from healed, but ultimately in the Greek, they mean pretty much the same thing. Cleansed is a medical term again, a scientific medical term about physical healing. In fact, the word for cleansed in Greek is katharizo, the same root word that we use in English for the word catheter. It was the removing of impurities from the body. That was the purpose of that word cleansed. Again, a medical term. Something to do with the physical body. But then that Samaritan leper, he stops and comes back to Jesus, worships Jesus, thanks him for the healing, and we get verse 19 where Jesus says, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Healed and cleansed are physical medical terms. Well is not a medical term. Well is the Greek word sozo, which actually means to save. To save. It was the term that was used when sailors would go out to sea, and if they were stranded on the ocean and another group came and rescued them. It's the word for rescuing and saving. When the Samaritan leper comes back to Jesus, Jesus gives him the language of resurrection. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. This is not physical and medical. This is deeply spiritual. I hope you see with me the difference that gratitude makes in our lives. It completes the work of Jesus in our lives when we are thankful to God for what he has done in our lives. All ten men were cleansed. All ten men were healed. Only one was made well. And this morning, I ask you in your own walk with God, has thankfulness and gratitude taken a back seat in your lives? Have you stopped giving thanks to God because you've started to expect certain things in life? Because you've started to take things for granted in your life? Do you wake up every morning and acknowledge God as the source of the breath in your lungs, the bed that you sleep in, the roof over your head, the food in your belly? Do you acknowledge God for those things? Or have they become things you just simply take for granted? You expect them. I deserve them, and so I have them. I worked hard for them, and so I have them. Thankfulness, gratitude, is not a couple of thank yous. 
Gratitude is a lifestyle. It's an overflowing in the heart. In fact, the word we use is thankful. My heart is so full of thanks that it comes out in every part of my life. This leper, and I want you to picture this with me. The Bible tells us that as they went, they were cleansed, which means this. Jesus told them to go show themselves to the priest. They had to now go with their eroded fingers, their eroded toes, their open sores on their body, and their faces mangled. They had to now go in expectation that they might get healed along the way. They went with hope and with expectation, and as they're walking, the Bible says, they were cleansed. Stop and think about this for a second. Some of them probably grew back fingers and toes. Some of their faces reformed. The sores started to heal. Their skin condition was completely changed while they're walking back, while they're walking toward the priest. Can you imagine the celebration and the joy in their hearts knowing that this biggest problem of my life is now gone? The perspective would be now I can live life. Now I can re-enter society. Now I'm part of the community again. I don't have to be an outcast anymore. They probably celebrated and high-fived and they were rejoicing because of what was happening. But one of them stopped in the middle of the joy, stopped everything else, stopped from going to the priest, from living his life and said, you know what? Something just happened to me And I cannot go on with life till I turn around and go back to the one who did it for me. Thankfulness requires you and me to acknowledge the source of every blessing. To acknowledge the source. Only one of them goes back to acknowledge the source of the blessing in their life. In a time like Thanksgiving, a lot of us can get caught up in the idea of thankfulness for everything in our lives. I'm thankful for my friends, for my family, for the things that I have. I'm thankful for those things. But what this Samaritan does is not just be thankful for what he got. He's thankful to someone for what he got. He acknowledges the source of his blessing, of the life-changing event of his life, and he stops everything else to acknowledge the source. It wasn't these other nine lepers that healed me. It wasn't the priest that healed me. There was a Messiah, a master in that last place I was that healed me. Therefore, I have to go back to him and say thank you. What does the practice of gratitude look like in your life each day? Do you wake up each morning and the first thoughts that cross your mind are the stresses of the day, the worries of what you need to accomplish, the problems that have overwhelmed your life? And do those just take over the rest of the day? Or is there a time in your every single day that you set aside to say, God, I thank you because you are the source of everything? God, I I demonstrate my gratitude to you because you are the source of everything. Gratitude requires us to acknowledge the source, but that's not it. This leper didn't just acknowledge the source and move on with life. He stopped, he turned around, and he moved in the source's direction. A life of gratitude is acknowledging the source and moving in his direction. Acknowledging the source 
and moving in his direction. This leper turned around and went back toward Jesus. He quite literally drew closer to God in order to give thanks to him. This is what your life and my life should look like. We draw closer and closer to God in our times of expressing gratitude to him and giving him thanks. We draw closer to him. He reprioritized everything. He changed the order of his life in order to give thanks. Think about this for a second. Everyone else was celebrating, going to the priest, getting their written seal of approval for the community to re-enter society. They can go get jobs. They can exchange currents or exchange uh, in, in, in trade. They can do everything they need to do now. But this man's priority was, I will stop everything else in order to give thanks to God. That's my first priority. What gratitude does in your heart and my heart, my friends, is it completes the work of God in our lives. This man had leprosy, and he was cleansed of his leprosy, but only when he came and gave thanks to God, when he acknowledged the source and moved in his direction, was the work completed in his life. If I'm honest, there are so many things that God has done for me that the work has never been completed because I never acknowledged him in the process. I never went back to him and gave him praise, and so the work wasn't completed. I didn't draw closer to God through that trial because ultimately I forgot to give him praise for it. For each of us, whatever it is that you go through today, gratitude is part of God's work in your life. To go back to him and say, God, I thank you for it. It draws you closer to him like the Samaritan leper in this story. It drew him closer to God and he received something. He gave something that no one else gave and he got something that no one else got. Jesus spoke these words to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. You are saved at this point. That's different from cleansed. It's different from healed. And I think for many of us, if we're honest, we've settled for cleansed and we've settled for healing when there was a much greater work available to every one of us. And gratitude is the centerpiece of that work. Acknowledge the source and draw closer to him Worship him for what he has done. A few years ago, an author and very famous uh, speaker, A.J. Jacobs, who has written many books on top, very, very differing topics, he decided that he was going to try an experiment. He was going to take his morning cup of coffee that he got every single day from the same coffee shop, and he was going to thank everyone involved with that cup of coffee. So he started. He thanked the barista. He thanked the managers, the people who taste-tested his coffee. He then went and started thanking the truckers who delivered the coffee. He started thanking the distribution centers that made the trucker available to go and deliver that coffee. He started to thank the construction workers that built the asphalt on the road for the truck to go on. His travels ended up taking him around the world to thank farmers and growers and distributors and shippers, and he thanked over a thousand people in his quest to thank, be thankful for one cup of coffee. A.J. Jacobs wrote this book about it, and he talks about the power of gratitude and how great it made him feel to show gratitude to all the people involved in his morning cup of coffee. And I think what Jacobs does is nice. It's a good thing to do. But I think he also makes the same mistake we make. He still missed the source. 
Not once does he thank God. In fact, he's a very proud agnostic who says there is nothing else or he believes there's likely nothing else beyond this world. And he misses the source of the blessing. You and I, if we're not careful, can miss the source of the blessing. We can go and thank people in our lives. We can go and thank our jobs, our employers, our family members, and miss the source of every blessing in our lives. A lifestyle of gratitude is one that acknowledges the source and moves in his direction. The psalmist says it like this. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. In the letter of Colossians, Paul gives these final instructions to the church, and he says, if you want to live the right life, a holy life, here's what you need to do. He says like this in Colossians chapter 3, and let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And listen to what he says next. Tell me if you notice a theme. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanksgiving is the key to all of this, according to Paul. You acknowledge the source and you move in his direction. What does gratitude look like in your hearts? Have your cries for help grown louder than your shouts of praise? Have your deep longings for God to fix a problem grown louder than your yearning and desire for the fixer of all things? Have your cries for help grown louder than your shouts of praise? As our worship team comes back and we prepare to close out our service today, This week, I had an opportunity to read the incredible story of a gentleman named Bishop Thomas Ken. Thomas Ken was a bishop in the English kingdom in the 1600s. In fact, he had risen the ranks of religious leadership to the point where he was the royal chaplain to princes and princesses in the British Empire. And among English royalty, he was well-known. And Thomas Ken grew and did better and better along the way, eventually losing his jobs at times because he would not sign off or agree to poor behavior in the royal courts. In the 1670s, Thomas Ken was assigned to Winchester College as a teacher and as a leader at the college. And one of his desires was to see the young people who attended Winchester College draw closer to God. And so one of the first things he understood was in order to draw closer to God, you have to have a heart of gratitude. You have to acknowledge the source and move in his direction. So Thomas Ken, he wrote three hymns. And those three hymns, those three songs were very long songs. And he asked the students to recite these songs every night before they went to bed. And there at the bottom of each song, he added what he called an appendix, just a quick little phrase that he would throw at the end of each of the songs. Four lines. Four lines that would be sung by countless Christians over the next 350 years. Four lines that I hope we can sing together today. It's called the doxology. And here's the phrase that Thomas Ken wrote. 
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. As we sing this together, let that first line sound different in your ears this morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Jesus, you are the source of every blessing. And so this morning I give you thanks. Complete the work in my life in gratitude today. Will you stand to your feet and join us as we sing this song together?